Hey everyone, this is Lynn Bartim, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at seu.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. Well, oh my gosh, did you miss me? (laughs) This is our first live show back here at the Apex Hour, and we're so happy to be back online and live. Uh, Apex Hour during the fall and spring semesters is Thursdays at 3 p.m. here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. My name is Lynn Vartan, and this is the show that talks about everything that's going on on campus, particularly regarding Apex events. And we have guests from all over the place who come and speak on campus. And this hour, you get a chance to really interact with them and listen to them on a real personal level. This week, it's all about space here for Apex. And we are so excited to be partnering with the second annual Southwest Astronomy Festival. Um, We're going to talk about the festival, all the events, and we have two representatives here to talk about the festival and also the Apex event that we're doing associated with the festival which is Space Debates. Space Debates is going to be tomorrow from 12 to 2 p.m. at the Great Hall here on SEU's campus. So let's get right into it, and I'll let my guests go ahead and introduce themselves. So, Lee, tell us about yourself. Uh, hi, so my name is Lee Ricci, and I work with the Cedar Breaks National Monument and the Park Service. And so this year and last year, we decided to put on an astronomy festival. So we're working with a bunch of other parks. Parashant is in there, um, and Zion we had last year, and then a, a bunch of organizations in the area to put on essentially a three-day space festival. <laughs> Yeah, and you were just saying before we were chatting, you have something like 105 partners for this? Uh, yeah, we have a lot of partners. So it's it's over 100 people. It's over 100 volunteers at this point. And then I think we're above 25 organizations this year. And That's so amazing. It's crazy. That's so cool. So tell me a little bit about um, just this is the second one. And tell me from your perspective in your role a little bit about the planning and how just how did this all come to be? So what happens, this is true for basically, I think, m- most of the government is that someone wrote a grant. They They begged for money about five, six years ago. And that grant finally got funded. The person who made the grant no longer works here at oh all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so so she did not get to see her. Her name was Daphne Suing, and she did not get to see her baby turn into something, anything real. She she went on to bigger and better things. But uh, it was sort of, it's, it's it got funded. And then basically, my boss came and said, hey, we've got all of this money now that came through for this festival, do you want to do this? And I said, do I? 
Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> now, have you been in touch with her since to kind of tell her? No. Oh. I have no idea where she is. Oh, my I've gosh. I've never met her. She left before I came on board. Oh. And so, but her reputation precedes her. Everyone has heard of Daphne because she just did such great things. Well, that's amazing. So, Daphne, if you're out there listening, <laughs> we are so happy that you had this idea. <laughs> okay, we have another guest in the house. Andy, tell us about your role with the Astronomy Festival. Um, yeah, so uh, my name's Andy, uh, Andy McAfee. Um, my role is I am an executive board member for the Southern Utah Space Foundation. And uh, our role is we're one of the primary partners. Um, fortunately, unlike the Park Service, we deal in much shorter periods of time than the epic long periods <laughs> that it takes to get a festival going. Um, uh, and we deal in a lot of small things, big things. Uh, star parties. Uh, most of our goal as a foundation is to try and make sure that uh, equipment and educational, you know, items that would normally be outside of the reach of most people are able to be, well, you know, within their reach. Right. Uh, for example, things like solar telescopes are usually frightfully expensive. Um, but we have one. We take it to all of our events. No way, our equipment that's cool. gets used. Uh, it doesn't get used half as much as we would like. Um, oh. but, uh, but you know, uh, it is one of those things where commute, where the community help, where we, uh, in conjunction with the community help to fundraise for, you know, uh, a cut above your sort of amateur equipment so that people can have access. And I've droned on far too long. No, that's awesome. So I'm actually going to ask you more questions because I'm, excuse my ignorance, didn't know about the the, the Southern Utah Space Foundation mm -hmm. and how we, I mean, what, it's an organization of uh, civilians. Is it, how do you become a part of it? How can people get in touch with you? I mean, I'm imagining that people might be driving home or there might be teachers listening who, who are like, wow, there might be this great uh, resource available to me and my students. So tell me a little more about that organization. Absolutely. Um, in that we're not military, I would characterize us as civilian, <laughs> definitely. Um, but uh, we are all enthusiasts. They're uh, there, most of us are from completely different uh, different walks. Uh, some of the board members, let's see, we've got a botanist, we've got uh, um, uh, we've got an accountant, a we've physicist. got oh yes, a physicist, uh, a couple physicists in training, oh. um, and uh, and also uh, some a few artists as well. So it's kind of just a group of people who really love and like astronomy. Uh, it got started a few years ago to help, um, actually to help fundraise money for an equipment repair at uh -huh. the Ashcroft Observatory. Uh -huh. And then just kind of, when that was done, moved on and, you know, uh, found our new goal of trying to get that equipment available for more and more people. So, um, I think that answers all yeah, of the questions. Totally. And but, is, oh, as for getting in touch with yeah, us, that, that, exactly. that's the one. For those of you out there, um, if you go to susf.org, that's short for Southern Utah Space Foundation, of course, um, then there's a contact form as well as a list of all of the events. We try to do at least one thing monthly that's free and open to the public. And of course, if there are things that people need, if you're a teacher and you want to show your students the sun, you know, without burning their eyes out, um, give us a call and we can try and set something up. 
That's fantastic. Well, I'm so excited to know about the foundation. That's great. Well, Lee, let's get on to talking more about the festival. Um, so give me sort of a short synopsis of what's going on for the festival, and then we'll get into some of the specific <laughs> events, because there's a lot happening. There, There is a lot. And so this year... Last year was our first year, 2017, and that was a two-day festival. It was Saturday or Friday and Saturday, and unfortunately, we, you know, Friday was okay in the daytime, and then we kind of got rained out. And by Saturday, the weather was terrible. Right. And so this time, we thought, let's do three days, and that way, if one of them has to get canceled, we still have two other days. And so we were sort of banking on the weather being terrible. It looks like the weather's going to be great this yeah. weekend. We're going to get through all our clouds probably today. And so by tomorrow evening, um, we're going to have just a ton of events. And every single day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every single day, there's a star party somewhere. Okay. And so tomorrow night, we actually have what's uh, called the Astronomy Extravaganza. That's going to be our first really, really big event. It's at North Elementary. Everyone's invited. One of the really cool things about that is we will have some... NASA ambassadors there, but we'll also have the planetarium, the SEU indoor planetarium. Oh, wow. I did. What is that? The SEU. So, so, uh, Andy mentioned the Ashcroft Observatory. Yes. Well, they actually have an indoor planetarium. Oh, I didn't know that. They do. And they set it up. It's a, it's a pain to set up, but once it's set up, you know, you, you just go in and, um, it's like you can see the stars projected on the inside of it. And it's really cool. And we also have a really cool setup. This, this is provided by the parks. So go us. Um, <laughs> this was my idea. Uh, we do have a giant blown up poster of Mars so that you can take pictures of yourself on Mars. It's That's not awesome. quite as great as like a planetarium, but it is it it does look pretty cool. It does look like you are on Mars if you take the photo right. Well, it just sounds like a great Friday night. So again, that's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. And it's at North tell tells the all the details. North Elementary is on 200 uh, or Hamburger Highway as they say. <laughs> so um yeah, it's going to be at 550 West, 200 North. Uh, North Elementary is um, basically we're going to have the indoor stuff in the gym and then the outside stuff. We, we will have telescopes set up outside. They're going to turn the lights off for us so that we oh. can actually see the sky. Oh, my gosh. What a great Friday night. It starts around 6, it looks like. Yes. And I'm kind of reading in the notes, it, you can build your own constellations? Yeah. we're Well, that is a kid's one. That is for... Wait, I want to do that. <laughs> no, you can. You can. Well, we decided... That we we're going to have a little constellation station. Oh, and great. so that that way people can make their own constellations. It'll be fun. And it sounds like everything is free and open to the public. Yes, everything is free of charge. There, There's only one or two events that cost money. And those are in Pipe Spring, Arizona. Okay. So, and that's because the Pipe Spring National Monument couldn't really get around the fees. So if you're in there, you kind of have to pay the fees. We right. had the same problem with Zion. Right. Um, but this year, it's really just pipe spring. Okay. So. But tomorrow, I mean, for everybody listening, if you, you know, are looking for a great activity or family activity or something to do, North Elementary, 6 to 9 p.m., there's so many indoor and outdoor activities. The weather's going to be great. It just seems like a real magical time. Yes. Yes. And then Saturday for us, I mean, there's a bunch of events down in St. George, too. So if you're in the St. George area or you want to go to St. George, uh, you can get on our website. This It's on the Cedar Breaks National Monument website, but also if the Cedar, if you go to either the Cedar Breaks um, Facebook page 
or you go to the Southern Utah Space Foundation's Facebook page. There's a list of events on there, the upcoming events under that area. Um, there are a bunch in St. George as well, but for us here in Cedar City, the next one after that's going to be awesome is we, we're calling it the Library in the Stars. Oh. And the Library in the Stars, that's going to be at the library. Uh, it is at the main, the Cedar City Public Library, not not the not campus. The S- yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not SEU. This is the main library. Uh, but there's just going to be a ton of stuff going on there from noon to 6 p.m. on Saturday. Okay. And then after that, we'll have a star party. And then on Sunday, we only have one event, and that is a star party. It's our star party finale. Here's the thing about the Sunday event. This is a big deal. Um, the University of Utah is bringing down their gigantic telescope. Oh, wow. And they're taking it up to Cedar Breaks National Monument. So if you can make it to Cedar Breaks National Monument on Sunday night, you'll be able to not only look at the sky in a, a fairly dark location, which really matters when you're looking at things like nebula and galaxies, but you'll be able to use an enormous telescope. I mean, this telescope is probably twice as tall as I am. I, I could crawl inside there, live there comfortably for a while. Wow. So it's big, and it has to be hauled in by a trailer, and it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. So star parties, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. There's the whole afternoon on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you also have the star party with the massive telescope yes. up at Cedar Breaks. Yes. How cool. Well, I'm so excited about all these. There's a couple other ones that I wanted to ask you before we take our first music musical break. Um, And this is in the St. George area. Is there going to be a bat chat? There is. There's going to be a bat chat down in St. George. um, But we will also have a bat chat up here. So we will, we should have uh, essentially a bat expert uh, at the astronomy extravaganza tomorrow night. So, and, and he's from Great Basin National Park. And so we've got just a bunch of rangers who, a lot of rangers are really into animals. So it's (laughs) kind of, I mean, it, it was one of those things where it's like, yes, this is, not terribly related to astronomy, but it's nocturnal animals. And yeah. so we have a lot of people who can explain bats to you just because we have so many rangers that are a part of this well, program. that just sounds amazing. Well, there you have it. That's kind of the uh, the scope, sort of the the bird's eye view of what's going to be happening this weekend for the second annual Southwest Astronomy Festival. Again, you can find out um, any of these things on on the website. I think there's a hashtag um, SW Astrofest, Swastrofest, Swastrofest, and then the best website to go to again is. It's the Cedar Breaks National Monument okay. website, and it is a really long URL, so it's just, that's the government. Um, right. So if you just Google Cedar Breaks National Monument, it'll come right up. Okay, perfect. Well, we are ha- also having, part as part of this, we're partnering, and we're going to take a musical break right now, but then we're going to come back and talk about what's going to be happening on campus tomorrow, which is space debates. Um, and so I chose some music uh, for this show, and of course, I had to choose space music or star music Um, and so I have three songs that I'm going to play for you the first one is Counting Stars by One Republic and again this is the Apex Hour and you are listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1 Dreaming about the things we could be but baby I've been I've been praying hard Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars. Yeah, we'll be counting stars. (laughs) 
swing my heart across the line In my face is flashing signs Seek it out and ye shall find Old, but I'm not that old Young, but I'm not that bold And I don't think the world is sold I'm just doing what we're told
All right. Well, welcome back. This is the Apex Hour. This is Lynn Vartan, and you are listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1. Today, we are talking about space and the Southwest Astronomy Festival, and we're going to turn our attention to our event tomorrow, which we are so excited about, and we are calling it Space Debates. And that's going to be tomorrow from noon until 2 p.m. in the Great Hall on Southern Utah University's campus. It's completely free and open to the public. And uh, here with me are Lee and Andy, who are both involved in the event. And we're going to we're gonna tell you what this space debates is all about. So Lee, let's kind of tell them the story. You, you sort of approached me, I don't know, it's probably been eight months or nine months uh-huh. ago, and kind of said, you know, we, we had this event last year, it was really great. And we kind of outgrew it. We, we really want to sort of partner and get grow and get right. bigger. And we want to do space debates. Yeah. So tell me how it how it went last year and and the feedback and then and then we'll sort of fold into this year. Well, last year we did have some uh, we 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 had a little bit of different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, we did keep the SETI topic because that was easily the the best. I mean, everybody loved that one. Um, but we just we expected a smaller crowd than we got, and it was at the library, the main library, which they are wonderful partners. Yeah. Um, but there's just not the space. They're kind of we were kind of running out of space for bodies last mm-hmm. year, and so we basically thought, okay, we can take this to SEU and probably probably involve more students because that was the other thing is we found that a lot of people who showed up for the debates were in that age range they were in they were SEU students and they were very interested great well we're so excited to host it we're apex events is functioning as a as a host for the debates and um and and Andy jump in anytime also if you want to we'll, we'll get into the topics and I know you have some strong opinions on about that but we're basically going to have six debate or five debaters plus a moderator uh-huh. and we have some preset topics so maybe let's let's share with the audience what some of those topics are going to be do you want to do the first one oh sure um well one of the topics that we're going to discuss is you know i won't take the big hot button okay one first I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll, I'll save that for you guys um but one of the ones that we're going to talk about is uh is about space junk yeah and uh you know, there's lots of discussion about Earth junk at the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, space junk is absolutely a thing. Not surprisingly, um, we've put a lot of stuff up into the uh, up into Earth orbit, and uh, uh, naturally, you don't want to run into stuff right. when you're putting new things up. But the question, you know, becomes. Who's responsible for that junk? Yeah. Um, how do you get it down in an effective and efficient manner? Um, and even uh, is it necessarily worth that sort of investment? Um, a, a good example of one uh, type of thing, I, I definitely wouldn't call it a space junk because I, I feel kindly about it, but happens to be the Iridium satellite <laughs> network. I was going to oh, bring up the Iridium. what is that? Oh, can I, can I oh, take this? absolutely. Okay. Please, tell so, me. In the 1980s, there was a company, Iridium LLC, and they decided that they were going to provide essentially satellite phones worldwide with 64 satellites going around Earth. Uh, it was it was it was one of those ideas that was ahead of its time because they got them all up there, and then it was I mean, and they and they work. You know how your your phone does not work in some areas. Right. Well, if you had an Iridium phone, it would. 
But the problem is they were prohibitively expensive oh. because, of course, they were. So, right. So, and the plan started at like $3,000 a month. It was crazy. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And so uh, and the – And this was 70s? 80s. Or 8. It was this in the 80s. Yeah, in um, the 80s. So then – so then they went out of business, like you do. And Verizon was the carrier, and they said, "Look, we—I mean, we've got these satellites up here, but they're not ours, and we're not going to take them down, you know." And so the military stepped in. The Pentagon came in, bought the company, and said, "Fine, we'll buy this." They bought it a fraction of a, of, of the price, you know. And so now we actually—that's why you you have people in the service, people even you know wildlands firefighters who can use these phones. Uh, and they work anywhere in the world because of the Iridium satellites. Now, here's the thing is they actually have these giant door-sized panels that as they turn, they catch the light of the sun. So if you ever are looking up and you see this bright, growing flash in the sky, oh, it gets yeah. brighter and brighter and then dimmer and dimmer, that's probably an Iridium satellite because it's those door-sized panels that are catching the sun. Uh, here's the thing is... The, the the current company has decided that they're old, they're from the 80s, and they have to come down. And the problem is, the problem is that they we've already had a problem with the Iridium uh, in 2009, Iridium 33, and Cosmos 2251. Cosmos is obviously a Russian satellite. They crashed into each other. Oh, they actually hit each other, and they and there's over a hundred million bits of debris up there in space. And so now if you have satellites crashing into each other, that, that just makes even more more of, of the debris. And what ends up happening is, and that debris is traveling very fast, right? These right. probes were traveling at 20,000 miles an hour. And so what you end up having is sort of Earth is engulfed in this halo of bullets. And even just last week, I mean, this is a problem with the ISS, right? The International Space Station, there are people on it. There was a hole that was put in the ISS last week. And, you know, one of the Russians up there, he put his finger in it. He just, no, he did. That's he, not true. This, he put his finger over. It was a very small hole. Uh, but then they ended up patching it with epoxy. And duct tape. I'm not making this up. Oh, my God. Duct yes. tape does fix everything. Epoxy. And, I mean, it's probably, like, really good epoxy, but they also put duct tape over it. Um, so, And they don't know if it was from debris, but the ISS has had problems with debris in the past because wow. there's all of this stuff up there traveling very, very fast. So how would you even go about bringing safely – one of these satellites down, let alone 64 of them? Uh, I don't think you can. Uh. I believe the, I mean, now I'm, uh, Lee's more of the expert than than I am, but I think the plan is just uh, change the orbit of them enough so that the so that it comes down and burns up in the atmosphere. That's exactly it. Whoa! It's kind of the only thing you really can do. But is Which, that reasonable? Is that okay? Is that that's kind of the question, right? Is especially with these larger satellites where they're very, very, very big and heavy. Um, you don't want any pieces getting through the atmosphere. The reality is our atmosphere is really, really good at burning stuff up. We have we are hit literally by tons of meteorites just all the time. Okay. Um, so the atmosphere is is a really good way to break stuff up. Uh, bringing it down, you can do that, but you have to bring it down at an angle, and it has to be done carefully so. Th- 
that ends up being an expense, right? Especially if you haven't originally programmed the satellite to do that. And so, I mean, there are satellites out there that were programmed in Fortran, right? Who Who's out there programming in Fortran? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what Fortran is. An so. old, old, old computer language. <laughs> okay. So, so there is sort of this cost problem. Yeah. Uh, where if you say to a country, "Look, you know, if you want to start sending up satellites, then you are going to have to pay to bring them down, or you're going to have to pay to destroy them," right. and that puts an extra burden on developing countries or countries that are just now getting to the space race, whereas Russia and America, the problems that we have really largely come from Russia and the U.S. Right. It's all the stuff up there that's being a problem, that's that's our stuff. So what's the conversation? I mean, is, is this conversation actively happening all the time, or is it one of these topics that sort of cycles around every once? I mean, is it a hot topic right now in, in, in this world, in your world? I would say with the... The crash between the Iridium satellite and the Cosmos satellite, it's become a bigger topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was in 2009, so almost 10 years ago. Wow. But there is technically, there is a branch of, uh, you know, it's like NASA, JPL. There's of, of trying to ensure safety when it comes to these satellites. And wow. so they're always talking about it. But... In everyday hot topic, I mean, I don't know that most of the public is really aware. Right. Well, I certainly, I mean, it's news in a way. I mean, I knew it was sort of a peripheral issue, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't hear about what happened last week with the finger in the hole and all that. <laughs> yes, yes. And nor do I don't really have a good recollection of the collision in 2009 either. And so mm-hmm. is that, and this is a slightly off topic, but is that something that, that you in your fields worry about that these, these topics, these issues are not as um, in the forefront of the public's minds as they should be. I know that's not exactly Absolutely. a debate topic, but and I, I think that ties into a lot of that ties into, you know, astronomy is one of those fields that is extremely narrow and very few people go into it. Very few people can go into it, Um, you know, but the universe space belongs to all of us. And so this idea of of like who gets to talk about this and be interested in it. And there's just not a whole lot of pathways to being an astronomer. Right. And I think that that is pr- probably the reason that so many people, it's like you love space when you're a kid and then you grow up and you say, well, I'm not going to become an astronaut. That's not a feasible thing. I guess I, I'm not going to sit and think about space as much, you know, mm-hmm. we're also losing the night sky in a real way because of light pollution. And so it's hard to, it's that out-of-sight, out-of-mind yeah. thing. Yeah, it's out-of-sight, out-of-mind, yeah. I think, for a lot of people. And now, I mean, but kind of going back to what Andy was saying with the Southern Utah Space Foundation and the equipment, now you do have a lot of people getting into astronomy outreach with because we've never, te- technologically, we've never been in a better time to do astronomy for everybody mm-hmm. because, I mean – you can get yourself a radio telescope for less than a thousand dollars. Right. Nobody could do that, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Right. Well, and I guess one other question and we'll take another music break before we get into some of the other topics is what, what would you, and this is kind of the outreach part. What would either of you say to the public? Like what's the most important thing that you would like the public to know about 
astronomy or the night sky? Is it, is, is it, it could, I mean, I don't know. Is it, you know, turn off all your lights at night or tell your city people to turn off less lights? What are, what would you want? I mean, you have this forum of the show today and, and the debates tomorrow. What's the most important thing for you right now uh, that you would like people to know or to be aware of? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to think. For my part, I feel very passionately about the night sky as a resource that's being more or less uh, not really well u- well taken advantage of, mm. especially in the southern Utah area. Uh, so I certainly feel strongly about people making better lighting decisions. Um, there are some places in Cedar City that have made very poor lighting decisions, and uh, I don't, I'm not even going to name them because you can see them right. from miles away. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that have uh, made very good lighting decisions, like uh, Tropical Cafe Smoothie actually has really good exterior lighting. Oh. It's, uh, but, but either way, that being uh, not sponsored by Tropical Cafe <laughs> Smoothie... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that being said, um, it is one of those things where uh, where that's something I feel very passionate about, um, particularly because at least once a month, sometimes even once a week, I've got a telescope out and I'm looking and yeah. can kind of see the change over time. And it would be a real shame to lose that. Yeah. But but that's just me. And is there anything that we can do? I mean, is it like right to your city councilman? Well, you can't come to the, there's actually tomorrow as well. It's called the Dark Sky Discussion. That'll be at the library, the main library at 3 p.m. Okay. And we're actually, we have a panel of dark sky defenders there. uh, And there will be a representative from the International Dark Sky Association there. And they're talking about the nuts and bolts of how you go about it. I mean, if you look up and you say, oh my goodness, I can barely see the Big Dipper. This is crazy. The Big Dipper should be extremely bright, right? right. Um, you especially know, here in especially Southern Utah. Here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you are, you know, concerned about that, there's a lot of processes, you know, going to city council, but also personal things you can do. Um, and we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of that tomorrow. Okay, at great. At 3 p.m. at the Dark Sky Discussion. 3 p.m. tomorrow at the library if people are interested. <laughs> and do you share the same, is that your most important sort of mission to get out there right now? I think my most, yeah, I I do think that it is sort of a tragedy. I agree with Andy. I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's no country on earth that hasn't done astronomy. It doesn't exist, Hmm. right? There's not a single society that we know of that hasn't done astronomy, that hasn't looked at the sky and and charted things and, and planned things around what is going on in the sky. And to think about it's really only in the last hundred years, the invention of the light bulb, it's really only in the last hundred years, you know, before then, every single human on the planet could see the Milky Way, could right. see our galaxy. Yeah. And now uh, very few people can see the Milky Way. About 80% of Americans do not get to see the Milky Way from their backyard. Yeah. Cedar City residents and St. George residents are no different. We cannot see the Milky Way from where we are. And so that is an interesting, it's almost like we've lost, I think, part of what it means to be human on Earth. Wow. 
That's powerful. Well, on that note, we're going to head into another little musical break and, and also about stars. This is a great song, Stars Fell on Alabama. Uh, and it, this uh, particular version is done by the amazing Billie Holiday with Louis Armstrong on trumpet. We lived our little drama We kissed in a field of white And stars fell on Alabama last night I can't forget the glamour Your eyes held a tender light And stars fell on Alabama Night. I never planned in my imagination a situation so heavenly, a fairy land where no one else could enter, and in the center, just you and me, dear. My heart beat like a hammer. My arms wound around you tight And stars fell on Alabama last I never planned in my imagination a 
situation so heavenly a fairy land where no one else could enter and in the center just you and me dear my heart beat like a Stars fell on Alabama last night. Okay, welcome back. KSUU Thunder 91.1. This is the Apex Hour. My name is Lynn Vartan. And that song that you were hearing was Stars Fell on Alabama, um, done by the great Billie Holiday with Louis Armstrong on trumpet. I am joined with Lee and Andy in the studio today, and we are talking about the second annual Southwest Astronomy Festival, but also we're talking about our space debates, which are happening tomorrow here on campus at the Great Hall, 12 to 2 p.m., free and open to the public. There are so many great events this weekend. Definitely check it out. Like we said, that, that there are going to be astronomy, uh, extravaganza tomorrow night. Um, there's all kinds of viewing parties and, and weekend activities. So definitely take part in the Southwest Astronomy Festival. But at the space debates tomorrow, in addition to talking about space junk, we have a, a few other topics. And maybe we can just give our audience a little teaser of what those are going to be. Uh, so, Andy, should we go to Mars? Um, <laughs> if you really are interested in putting that much time and effort into it, I'm not, and money, I'm not going to stop yet, but <laughs> I don't want to pay any money to go to Mars personally. Fascinating. Um, well, it's it's interesting. I and mean, the Mars one is interesting because, yeah, there are people who are like, we need to go to Mars. And then there are people like, nah, I'm good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. And I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. So and that's is it and why are you good? Is it just the expenses just outweighs the value? That basically, I mean, there's not too much that I think we're going to uh, learn from Mars by getting there that we haven't already found with uh, with probes or uh, with rovers. Um, and the, I mean, sure, it would be cool in a sense. I think all of us sort of really felt, hey, it would be cool to go to Mars um, after we rescued Matt Damon from <laughs> from his unfortunate stay on, on Mars. I want to rescue Matt Damon. <laughs> Me too. He's dreamy. But, uh, but it's one of those things where I, uh, where I think we're not going to get gain that much from it. Right. And Mars is incredibly inhospitable. Yeah. Um, there's... Yeah, I'm just worried that anybody who goes there is going to be a one-way trip. And if that's if that's what you're into, hey, I'm not going to stop you. Right. But that's kind of Mars One's big yeah. thing. They'll sign up anyone. And a lot of people with terminal illnesses have signed up because they sort of – which is interesting, I think, because it's like, you know, you don't need a terminal illness to know that you will die someday. So <laughs> right. there are people who are also just like, I'm in it for the long haul, but it's it's a one-way ride, you know. And Mars Ones is the 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 group that's already planning on going. Yeah, is that that's, what the, that is? that's the private industry. They, they are struggling with funding. Right. And so even though they have a lot of money, they're not making a lot of money. So – whether or not Mars One will ever get anybody to Mars is debatable in and of itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, me personally, I, I would not go, 
because oh come on don't you want to die on mars no i do not don't you want to die <laughs> no. on some on in martian soil absolutely not <laughs> oh, okay i i just i feel like it's the it's the lack of gravity if you look at the lack of gravity and what that does to astronauts how difficult it is to combat that i feel like i uh, well, I mean, I Buzz is still it. alive. He's Buzz still is, kicking. Buzz is fine, but I feel like you still have some health problems related to the low gravity or the lack of gravity. I think there's a lot of sci-fi out there that has sort of given this false impression right. of what a problem gravity is. <laughs> it's the biggest problem. It's insurmountable. Yes. Um, if because... I may interject, though, aren't women less impacted by the problems of living in microgravity than only, men are? Only with the eyes. So there's sort of this weird unfortunate, it's like glaucoma, but it's it's really bad for your eyes to be in low gravity. But for some reason in the study, it, it does a, tend to affect male astronauts more than female astronauts. But there's not, I mean, let's be honest, this is a bad sample size, right? There's <laughs> not that many astronauts to begin with. Uh, so I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that that aspect of, of who I am is going to save me from well, the eyeball problems. That last one minute of radio was, should be enough to encourage anyone to go to the space <laughs> debates because that was just so fun to listen to. I mean, I just feel like I'm like in this great conversation that I know so little about, but I'm having so much fun listening to. And that's what tomorrow is going to be. So that's really exciting. There are some other topics and there's kind of a super popular yes. hot topic yes. issue that everybody wants to know about and that is lisa do you think that we should um try to contact aliens <laughs> uh so yes yeah, so it's it's it was difficult can i just say that it was really difficult to to try and very present this very very seriously right should we stop active seti so seti uh search for extraterrestrial intelligence is a real organization okay that carl sagan was a part of frank drake was a part of jill tarter still a part of all legitimate astrophysicists, legitimate scientists. Um, what they did, uh, particularly Jill Tarter, is they listen for anything that might be, uh, you know, quote unquote, man-made, but alien-made, essentially not natural in the like universe. Like in contact. Exactly like in contact. <laughs> in fact, uh, Ellie Arroway is based off of Jill Tarter. Oh, so, okay. And Jill Tarter does say, she uses the phrase all the time, that, you know, if there's no one out there, then it's a great waste of space. Uh, that is sort of her catchphrase. That's cute. Um, so she, you know, this is a, a legitimate idea, right? There are hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy. There are probably just as many planets going around any average star than there as there is going around. Our, I mean, a, a good example is the TRAPPIST-1 system, which was discovered just a couple of years ago. Seven planets, all of them, they're terrestrial, just like Earth. You could stand on them. Um, they are... They are all in the hab. I mean, like three or four of them are in the habitable zone. Liquid water could exist there, you know, and that's not uncommon. Those planets are not particularly weird, yeah. right? So there are other solar systems out there. We're finding them. We know about them. And so now what's happened is instead of listening to these other solar systems, there are people out there that have decided to take it one step further and send signals out there and you can send a high power digital directed signal to these very close exoplanets and so here's the thing it's so cheap to do and a signal a radio signal will get to wherever in the same amount of time as the light year so if if you're oh. trying to reach 
Proxima Centauri, and Proxima Centauri, our closest neighbor, does have a planet, Proxima Centauri b. If you're trying to, that's four light years away. It's going to take four years for that signal to get there. Wow. And so it's very, very quick to send these radio signals. And we have literally, I'm not making this up, we have literally sent Justin Bieber to nearby exoplanets. <laughs> okay, allow me to just <laughs> offer a lukewarm defense of the Biebster. And that is by saying that, uh, that how do we know that Justin Bieber is not the key to universal peace. I, just, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just. I have a sneaking suspicion. I guess. <laughs> and I think that that's really what the question comes down to. We're already doing this. Uh, people are. I mean, in 2013, Lone Signal was sent out to a planet that is only to a, to a stellar system that's only 18 light years away. So in 18 years, it'll get there. Um, and it was not done by NASA. It was not done by any space organization. It was done through Kickstarter. No way. Yes. Yeah. That's how they raise, because it's expensive, but it's not that expensive. It's not prohibitively expensive. So anyone can do it. So I guess the question is, do we rein that in? Like, is that a bad idea? I don't know. And I guess the companion to this, which I'm sure you get asked all the time is, well, if we haven't heard from anybody, then what does that mean? Right. And what do you have to say to that? Like, is that a factor or... I, for my part, I'd say space is a big place, and until you receive a signal, you don't really quite know where to point it. Oh. Um, and, you know, granted, we do, well, like the things Lee was talking about, the TRAPPIST-1 system or these various systems where life as we know it relies on liquid water, and, you know, it's probably a good idea to send stuff that direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is until- Is it a good idea? Well, okay, it is uh, more effective than sending to some place that doesn't have liquid water. No, I, I just mean, like, if there's someone out there listening, do we really want them to? I mean, there's uh, Stephen Hawking notably said we should not be doing this. Right. Um, because it's dangerous. So he, he believed that life in the universe was probable, um, but also that, you know, we shouldn't be going out of our way to make ourselves heard. Right. And so that's kind of the question there. I would say, yeah, I mean, I have done a lot of star parties in my life. And, um, yeah, you always get somebody who's like, okay, aliens, yes or no, you know, <laughs> like that always, right. always. You have a hundred people show up to some place and, you know, they, Somebody is going to be like the aliens. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's just the way it is. So Stephen Hawking, for one, is being a worrywart, and he is borrowing trouble. And two, and also dead. And also <laughs> dead. And two, um, you know the uh, you would have to be super dedicated to make it to another planet, another solar system. I mean, we are still waiting on okay, Voyager well, Two is not even out of our then. solar let, system, hey, and that's taken for ever to get there you're right as far as like an alien invasion that's incredibly incredibly unlikely we'll let future andy worry about it yes exactly but let's let's talk about this what if we did just get a signal back what if we just got something back you know just like in the movie contact what what would happen to earthlings would we lose our minds because i feel like we kind of would 
we okay. kind of already are. <laughs> so that just would put us over the edge. <laughs> I say maybe the purge happens once and maybe it happens just <laughs> just just once and then we and then we get over it and then we get our stuff together and we think, "Hey, we got to be presentable for the aliens at this point in time." Maybe maybe <laughs> it would bring us together. It just makes us feel like we've got to get our stuff together, our act together. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, this is the kind of thing that we're going to go into more detail tomorrow and it's going to be so excited because in addition to the two of you, we're going to have three other panelists or yes. we're going to have five panelists and a moderator. And this kind of conversation is just going to go back and forth on these topics and others as well. And one of whom's a NASA ambassador who's going to be there for the debates. So that'll oh, be fantastic. Right. Oh, cool. So that's another reason to come and hear it. So, and, and the topics that we talked about, we talked about Mars, we talked about space junk, we talked about the SETI. Um, we have a couple other topics, I think. One or two, if I'm... No, actually, it's just three topics. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, great. So just Mars, space junk, and active SETI. Should we rein it in? And then all of the questions and the subtopics that go along with that. Uh -huh. So again, um, we're going to take one last musical break, a very apropos musical break. Um, but we want to make sure that you know that those space debates are tomorrow, 12 to 2 p.m. in the Great Hall as part of the weekend long Southwest Astronomy Festival. So the last song I've got for you, uh, very apropos to traveling to other worlds and sending signals out is Elton John's Rocket Man, KSUU Thunder 91.1. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a timeless flight Yeah. 
just my job five days a week A rocket Okay, well, welcome back. So, this is Lynn Barta, and you're listening to the Apex Hour, KSUU, Thunder 91.1. And it has been an amazing hour today. We're back in the studio live, and we're talking about the Southwest Astronomy Festivals and our space debates that are happening tomorrow. But we're out of time, and to close our show, we do our famous little thing, which is, what is turning you on this week? And it, it really can be anything. It can be related to what we've been talking about, or not. It can be something else entirely. So who would like to start? What's turning you on this week? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say new DuckTales. So I just got done with the second season and it is amazing and I love it. Oh my gosh. Is that something that you've listened to? I mean, that you've watched and, and yeah, interacted with? Yeah, when I was a kid. With? I mean, oh, I am. T- I was definitely the right age in the 90s for the old one. And now it's come back and I just... I, I absolutely love, I love that we live in a time of streaming. I love that we live in a time of nostalgia. And I just love New DuckTales so much. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Well, thanks for that. I'll have to check it out. That'd be a good, keeping me smiling in my busy days. So, Andy, how about you? What's turning you on? Um, gosh, this is a rough question. Um, <laughs> I think the best answer I have is I'm kind of a very old school video gamer. Ah. Um, so I've been playing through some classics that I uh, didn't beat when I was younger. Oh. And so just, I couldn't point to one, but just a bunch of old school video games is kind of my thing this week. So how old school? Are we talking like Zelda and that kind of thing? Or Yeah. So we're talking uh, late 80s, early 90s stuff. I've got a reasonably sized collection. and uh, Mega Man? Mega Man is the greatest video game of all time. Yes, yes, that is that is correct. 
Um, but uh, Mario. I am wearing a Mario. See, I'm wearing, you can't see it because you're not here in the studio, but I am actually wearing Mario on a t-shirt. So uh, I'm giving myself away in both uh, <laughs> when you see me as well as here on the radio. So Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for participating. Do you have any um, parting remarks that you'd like to share about the festival or anything coming up? Um, we get this question a lot, and that is, are all the events free? And I just want to reiterate, yes. Yep, the events are free. So just come to the events, don't pay anything, and have a great time. That's awesome. And any of the events, if you can't make it for a particular one, I guarantee you there's going to be something else at any point in time in the festival that's going to be enjoyable. So do come out even if you can't get to your first pick of activity. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lee and Andy, for being here in the studio. And again, Space Debates tomorrow at noon. The rest of the festival is happening all weekend long in Cedar and St. George and even in Arizona. Um, you've been listening to the Apex Hour, and we're going to sign off for this week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.